0: Hey folks, this is Aaron with Cedar Valley Farmstead back with another episode of Unpopular Farms. Today we have one of my favorite people on TikTok and uh, I think it is not only because like us, like our our YouTube and like our our uh, TikTok videos, we include everything that goes on. Like we, we have our kids, we have all the failures, all the successes, and everything that goes on on our farm, and so does my friend Katie and her family. And it ties in with my absolute fascination of Alaska being the last frontier and everything. But today, I wanted to bring her on to bring you guys the beginning. I think I think we're just going to start the legend. I just want to call this episode The Legend of Alaska, Katie. So Katie, how's Alaska okay. this morning?
1: Uh, Alaska is beautiful this morning. Uh, it's probably about forty-five degrees out, and it's foggy, and I love it.
0: Wow, I, I am. That's awesome. <laughs> it's like <laughs> already eighty-six and hundred percent humidity here. So.
1: Oh wow! Yeah, that's way too hot for me. Yeah, I'm not.
0: I'm not a fan of it, but it's. It's just Missouri. It's every every summer. Well, Katie, I. Would like to just kind of hand the reins over to you and ask you, like, why Alaska? If, like, if you guys, if you were born there, or your husband was born there, uh, or what what led up to you guys being where you are and with with what you're doing.
1: So, my husband and I are uh, actually from Washington State. We're both born and raised. Uh, I'm from Eastern Washington, the desert side, and he's from the Puget Sound area. Uh, and we met at work and ended up living together and uh actually the reason that we moved to alaska and i know it sounds just ridiculous um i don't know if you've ever seen the show alaskan bush people
0: oh yeah Uh, we
1: (laughs) we were sitting on the couch one day watching that show and he goes man if these guys can do it i can do it do you want to move to alaska (laughs) and live off grid with me um and I turned around and I looked at him and I said, well, only if you marry me first. And he said, are we moving to Alaska? And I said, are we getting married? And he goes, yeah, I guess so. So within, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was kind of fast. Within two months, we got married. Uh, within another month after that, we'd purchased property up here. And then uh, we quit our jobs. We gave like four months notice at our jobs um, and had rented out our house and then found out I was pregnant. So... <laughs> Yeah, but everything was already in motion. It was all we were already set to go, so we just said, "No, nope, we're going to roll with it." So, we moved uh an hour from the road to raw land with nothing on it when I was 5 months pregnant.
0: That's incredible. That is fantastic. Oh my gosh. Like this like this is kind of what I expected. Like and this is why <laughs> I want to call it the legend of Alaska Katie. Like this uh it's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, I, I really, I really have been trying to get my wife to do the same, to do the same thing if I could speak today. Uh, and there was like a moment like for like three months where I had property picked out and I almost had her talked into it. And mm-hmm. then it was like, no. So I, I watch Alaska from afar with great envy and like want, I would love to visit Alaska one day cause it's just I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the romance or if it's just the mystery of it, but I absolutely cannot wait to set foot in Alaska. So that is such I, an awesome like beginning to the story. That's so that's so cool.
1: I I mean it sounds like a TV show, but that is how that happened. It was just, uh, let's go live off grid. And the crazy thing is that we were working for Boeing. My husband was a network engineer. He was an IT man. I was managing a security team for them. Like we had no experience, nothing. We just kind of decided we were going to jump in feet first and, and go for it.
0: That's like the best way to do it though, because as you learn and as you gain wisdom, it all just gets better every single day. So
1: yeah. Well, and it's it's been over five years now and I would not trade it for the world. I have absolutely no intentions of ever leaving this lifestyle and ever leaving Alaska. I I thought that I was going to hate it. I honestly, uh, there's this joke up here that it's, it's 50-50. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it when you get here. Um, and I thought coming from a desert that it was going to be too cold, that I wasn't going to like we moved to a rainforest part so i thought it was going to be too wet but i love it
0: that's awesome so being in alaska what was one of the what was one of the first things that like besides getting the property all set up like what was one of your first projects that you guys started so that you could make it there
1: well the fact that we're off road i mean we're we're an hour when we moved out here we were an hour from the road um The borough, which is the county, um, has recently extended that road, so Mm -hmm. it comes about halfway to us now, but we can only use that road in winter because there's uh, a lot of swamp back here, so Alaska is a Mm -hmm. very wet state, and past the end of the road extension is seven miles of swamp before you hit my cabin. And so that's unusable in summer. So in summer, we're still an hour from the road because we have to use the beach access where the road used to end and drive the entire beach. So our first task when we got up here was to get a truck and get an ATV because we came up here with nothing. We came up here a week before all of our stuff was shipped up. So we didn't have a vehicle. We didn't have a way to reach our property. So it was buy a truck, buy an ATV, um, and then we went out and saw our property and the first time we saw our property, we were absolute idiots. I will admit that because we did not know what we were doing.
0: Um,
1: so part of having it, we came up in May and part of having it be summer access is the fact that there is two tides every day in the cook inlet. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know anything about tides. I am not an ocean person, so I hadn't really ever been to the ocean. Um, And I didn't realize that the tides went all the way up to the cliff face. So a gentleman that we ran into at the end of the road said, oh, yeah, you can drive the trail on your ATV, but it's easier on the beach. So we went on the beach down and went up, looked at our property. And when we went to come back, we had missed the tides. And we thought, oh, well, we'll just drive the trail down. So at this time, it was still 15 miles to the road. And I'm five months pregnant. And it took Mm -hmm. us like 12 hours to make it 11 miles through the swamp before I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore because I was doing a lot of walking Uh because there's so much swamp and the ATV kept getting stuck and we had a winch on it, but we were winching ourselves out every five minutes. And it, it, it was a mess. And I finally said, I can't, I can't go anymore. We had our dogs with us and I said, I'm going to lay on the ground and sleep right here and, we just laid down on the ground and took a nap until sunrise.
0: Ah, that's, <laughs> I that, that's, I'd say it's a terrible story because I'm sure that was excruciating at, at five months pregnant. I, I know how Sam mm-hmm. gets when we get to that certain point when you're getting, I'm sure you were like filling out and getting that shape going and having to wait to carry.
1: Yep. And to
0: think, uh, think of that at, five months pregnant in a swamp and I'm sure it was like I everything that I see from Alaska there are mosquitoes as big as condors out there so I'm sure
1: absolutely it was miserable yeah. yeah it was it was pretty at the time it was miserable and now I look back on it though and it's just one of my favorite memories up here because it's like oh man we did this crazy absolutely idiotic thing and we made it we you know pushed through we survived and it was really kind of like dunking your head in ice water like introduction to how alaska is and the fact that it's unforgiving and harsh if you're unprepared for it
0: yeah that sounds that sounds just about perfect because i mean that was the perfect introduction to it uh
1: it really it really was looking back
0: completely unforgiving and if you're gonna make it here i'm not going to help you but welcome to alaska (laughs)
1: exactly
0: (laughs) she's an unforgiving mistress
1: yes but I mean (laughs) even walking through the swamps though it was dealing with the mosquitoes and our dogs were so exhausted because the clay just sucks at your feet and it traps you and so our dogs by the end of the night when we stopped they just laid down and went right to sleep and you know we had a shotgun with us with bear slug in it but At that point, I mean, a bear could have walked up and eaten all of us. We were so asleep. (laughs) We're just so exhausted. Now,
0: did you get a fire going that night, or was it just pitch black in the middle of nowhere swamp?
1: No, we got a fire going. And the thing about Alaska summers is they're pretty much never pitch black down here. Um, I think we have 22 hours of daylight. So it was the middle of the night, but it's more of a dusk um, kind of light rather than being pitch black but we had a fire it didn't really last very long because we all kind of fell asleep uh my husband did all of our clothes were soaked from tromping through swamps so he took his boots off and put his feet by the fire he managed to melt his socks oh
0: that's wonderful (laughs) (laughs) i uh was on a frozen mountain in virginia this February, and we had a lot of moments of melted boots because there was an eighth of an inch of ice all over the the entire mountain. It was a quarter of an inch in some places, but I kept the fire going when it was my fire watch at least, and we melted boots because, I mean, we were within 18 inches of the fire ring and Mm -hmm. just had our feet up on it. So that... I, I can I can see that image in my head of his socks melting, and I know, it's like, I know, I've been there, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, we were just wet and cold and miserable, and, but the next, when we all got up the next day and went down to the beach, we waited for the tide to go down, and it was a gorgeous day to ride on the beach again,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> but,
1: uh we went back to town and we spent three days in a hotel because we were so just worn out and exhausted. And we're like, we can't do any, I, I, I personally being pregnant, I was like, I can't do anything. I, I need a couple days before we go try anything else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now you have, you have two little girls, is it? Am I correct?
1: Yes. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. So we've Uh, been out here for about five years. Yeah. Well, it's been over five years. It was May of 2016 when we came out here and my oldest was born in September of 2016.
0: That's so awesome. And I, that just, I was talking to a customer uh, two or three days ago about our kids and about growing up on the farm. And our oldest is going to be the only one that may or may not remember not farming but like your mm-hmm. kids are, your kids were born in Alaska. Like that's fantastic. <laughs> this whole yeah, this whole my... show is just going to be me expounding upon how cool Alaska is, and I've never <laughs> been there. But
1: <laughs> it's definitely it's worth visiting if you ever get the chance. Come up here, give me a call. I'll take you out to my place, and you can come visit.
0: Oh, that'd be great. That'd be so yeah. cool.
1: bring the wife, bring the kids, bring everybody. Come up and visit because this is it's a fantastic place to live. It's the best place to raise your kids. I mean, my sister actually sent me a text message the other day and she said, I'm saying this with the utmost love. Your children are absolutely feral and I love it. And that's I, that's the best cool. compliment I've ever received <laughs> on my parenting. So.
0: Yeah. And th- there, there's no, there's no like corruption. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of humanity that's, crept onto like you know into alaska like the the greater majority of humanity from Mm
1: -hmm.
0: what i've heard of like the the major cities there but otherwise it's you're it like you make the decisions there you uh, it's just i guess that adds to the romanticism of it there's no like poisoning of the land it's just so brutal and feral like you said it's so brutal and wild that Mm-hmm. There's no bit of humanity that can hold on for too long unless it's like absolutely fiercely maintained and protected. And that's another part of the the draw of it. It's just amazing.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have done a little bit of work um, in some spots on our property and then come back, you know, a year later just to find that everything has come up again and you have to retake everything out. You have to fight to keep your foothold on the land out here. And mm-hmm. I mean, Really, it doesn't bother me that much because I love the way that it looks just untouched. And that's part of why I wanted to move out where I am is that I wanted to move somewhere where I didn't see man-made structures all the time. Um, Growing up in Washington, even when you're traveling across the uninhabited parts of Washington, it's still wheat fields and power lines as far as the eye can see. Yeah. other than my cabin and everything that my husband and I have built with our own two hands, we can step outside our place. And that's all we see is just things that we have done. And I love being able to walk outside and look at everything and be, Oh, we put up that cabin. We milled all the lumber for this. We put up our own garage, you know, everything that we've done out there has been just us doing it.
0: Now, how long did those projects take? Like, uh, like which part, did you start the house first, or where did all that begin?
1: So, we started with the house, um, and that was mainly just there's a baby on the way, we have to do something. Um, and so, we lived in a tent for the first two months there, and then we got a Home Depot shed, one of those little 100 square foot shed kits, mm-hmm. and put that up, um, and then added onto that it's half log. It's about five feet off the ground is log. And then on top of that, a stick frame mm-hmm. um, onto that. And so then we had 250 square feet and we lived in that for the first two and a half years of my oldest daughter's life. And then when my youngest was born, we added on another addition. Um, and then we just recently added on another addition. So the cabin is roughly 500 square feet now. Um, and we're, really not using all of that space, honestly, because we lived in 250 square feet for so long that having all of this extra space, I mean, having a shower inside now is fantastic. I love not having to deal with mosquitoes to shower. That's great. Um, <laughs> but That's <we> could... <laughs> yeah, for the first couple of years, the shower was outside and it was either showering in negative 20 or dealing with mosquitoes. There kind of was no in-between, it felt like. Right. Um, but so now we have the shower inside and we have two bedrooms on the cabin now. Um, and so it was build the house. And then we put in a garden area. Last year we put a little greenhouse up. Uh this entire time we've been hauling our own water or collecting rainwater from the roof of our cabin. So the last couple weeks we've started putting in a well. Mm -hmm. And then that will expand the garden. Um, and then we'll get back into animals because we've kind of tested running the gamut of animals of what we want to raise out there. Mm. And I found out, I don't like goats. So we had a couple goats out there. I didn't like them very much. We gave them to a friend because I was like, I can't deal with these guys headbutting me every time I walk outside. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and then we had pigs and we, butchered our pigs and ate them. And one of the things about living that far from the road, we're seven miles from our closest neighbor. There's cabins out there, but it's usually people who come once or twice a year. Uh, mm. So having no neighbors, we had free range pigs. There was nobody to bother. So our pigs would just free range out there. And occasionally we'd get a phone call from somebody and be like, Hey, I saw pigs on the trail and I'd be like, oh yeah, those are my pigs. So, <laughs> you
0: know. uh, no, it's good. They're they're fine. Just leave them be. They don't eat much.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, and then we had chickens out there, and one of the things about chickens, I had raised chickens in Washington, um, and in mm-hmm. Washington you get enough light year round that you don't have to supplement their light, and up here, in winter they just completely stop laying. Um, so. Yeah. I decided it wasn't worth it to do chickens anymore. So we butchered our flock. We did rabbits. I really but razz- rabbits, but I wanted to colony raise them instead of cage raise them. So we're slowly setting up for all of that um, and filing for grants and things to kind of get more set up so that we can add animals back in. Um, yeah. And the, the one thing I haven't tested is a cow, but I love cows. I've been around a lot of cows. And so... I told my husband sometime in the next two years, I'm getting a cow.
0: Well, Mm -hmm. mentioning that, uh, Betsy, our Jersey Mm -hmm. will be able to be impregnated next July. And if everything goes well and we have a cow that we can, you know, bring up to you guys, then it'd be more than, (laughs) more than worth it to help you guys out. Cause I love that. Like we go out and we pet the cow and give her like, uh, have like a commodity feed that we do on top of straw and everything now so Mm -hmm. that'd be be cool but go ahead you were you were still continuing I thought I apologize
1: oh no it's fine yeah I I told my husband that I was getting a cow in the next two years and he has stopped arguing that he didn't want a cow at first (laughs) and now he's like okay you obviously want a cow this much there's I can't stop you we'll get a cow
0: that's awesome yeah, if Betsy works out real well, then I'll get a hold of you and see what we can what we can do. If I if I finally get the F two fifty back and running, it'll run for days if I keep it going. So I mean, Alaska wouldn't be too long of a journey for. Her.
1: <laughs> yeah, those are nice vehicles. We have one up here.
0: Oh, do you? I I love it. Um, yeah, blew out the uh, power steering when I was hauling cattle to the auction, and then got Betsy back on the farm. So she's oh been yeah for a month
1: yeah Just, we have uh, one for for a fishing business. it's a a seventy two high boy so
0: yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. So okay, speaking of that, you have mm-hmm. your husband does this three months out of the year, right He has his fishing your you guys have your fishing business where he, he goes yep. out and does that and then mm-hmm. you have uh you go out and collect uh these awesome little stones that you sell as well.
1: Yes. Uh, um, from the
0: mud flats, right?
1: Yes. So locally, everybody here calls them spirit stones. They're a type of mineral concretion. Um, so they're made out of calcite. And it's kind of like uh, almost how a pearl is, how a pearl grows around a little grain of sand. It's They grow around um, something decomposing. So they should all have fossils in them. I haven't broken any open because I think they're too cool to look at than to break open um but they're out in the mud flats in the cook inlet um i have some for sale in my etsy store it's alaskan wild arts um and i i have a grand time like taking my girls out into these mud flats and
0: the video it's awesome
1: (laughs) yes yeah my husband put that video on his youtube channel so um but the tide you do have to watch the tide and I mean, those mud flats they can be dangerous. The spot that we go isn't too dangerous, but there are a couple people, it seems, you know, every few years we get kind of a swath of people who get stuck and unfortunately pass away from getting stuck in that mud out there. So yeah, um, it is dangerous, but I mean, as long as you go with somebody who knows what they're doing, I think it's pretty safe, so. And the, the spot that we're at the mud isn't feet deep like it is other places it's usually right. six to 12 inches maybe and that's pretty easy to get out of
0: I would think that anywhere in Alaska like I've seen some of the guys that you know live out by themselves in their little cabins and they do everything alone mm-hmm. but like I think, I think the buddy system in Alaska is like the only way to like make it uh, not that I've been there to, to do any of it but like just looking at it, like anything that you go and do in Alaska, like the buddy system is the best way to survive, it looks like.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you get into trouble out here, there's, and you're by yourself, there's no one to call for emergencies. There's no one to help you. I mean, first of all, the wildlife, bears, moose, moose are ornery. They do not care. Um, and they will stomp you as more... More people get attacked and hurt by moose every year than they do by bears. Like, let's yeah. just put it that way.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Just feral, giant deer. I, it's just incredible to me.
1: I did not realize how big they were. I had never seen a moose until I got up here. And they are so tall that in your truck, their eyes don't reflect headlights because they're just above the beams. That's, mm-hmm. they're, they're massive what is it Um, like
0: nine feet at the nine feet at the shoulder
1: yeah yeah they're they're huge i so a lot of times when people get in car accidents with them like if you hit a deer on the road you're usually fine but with moose you knock the feet out from under them and their entire body falls right into the windshield right and it just it it destroys every single vehicle that they hit and half the time they get up and walk away so they're just massive animals yeah yeah they're just but alaska has a salvage program um for bear and moose that are hit by cars they have salvage programs and they'll like the state troopers will come out and pick up the carcasses and they'll send them to churches and food banks and they'll be butchered and distributed to the community so the the meat's not wasted
0: yeah i've seen that and i i really love that idea um there are a couple places locally that i've taken Deer hides do because they make gloves for like homeless people or for people that are wheelchair bound. Uh, mostly veterans, and they mm-hmm. get them. The, they get them these deerskin gloves so they don't tear their hands up. But I would love if something like that became viable in Missouri. Uh, I think more states should do that anyway. If we all came together and tried to tackle this problem as a people, then we would have a much better effect than just leaving it up to the government. But
1: right, I really think. Uh, that's again one of the draws of Alaska is that it's kind of small government. We like to say it's stuck in the '80s. Um, yeah. Just as far as community feel, and all of the towns are kind of so spaced out, and of course you have like the villages up north that are hours away from everybody, Um, and so you really do come together as kind of these little communities to help each other out and. People take care of their neighbors up here. And it's just another reason that I love Alaska is I have people that I can call that will drop everything to come help me. And Mm -hmm. I'm the same way. I've gotten phone calls at one in the morning before people saying, Hey, my truck is stuck in the mud on the beach. I saw your truck out here when I drove past. Can you come pull me out? It's 1am. Absolutely. I'm on my way.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. The sense of community that you guys have is incredible. Mm Hmm. Now, I was going to ask uh, about your hu- – I keep saying about your husbands. It's both of you guys. My apologies. Now, about the mm-hmm. the fishing business, let's, let's talk a little bit about that because that's fascinating as well.
1: Yeah. Um, so we have a set gill net permit, um, and we're working on getting a fish camp, a second permit, and hopefully in the next couple of years, um, our goal is to actually sell fish online. Um, so it'll be fresh caught shipped out that day or the next day, um, after being flash frozen, type deal, but he works three months out of the year and the, and then the rest of the year he gets to be a stay at home dad while I work in town. Um, and I, I work as a live-in caregiver. So I work on a 48 hour schedule where I go to town for 48 hours and then I come home. So I, mm-hmm. my two hour commute is nothing because I'm not driving it every day. Right. Um, And so he provides the main portion of our income in that three months. And it's, I mean, because he can fish right off the beach, right off where we live, he's not having to travel for work and it's, really just a great opportunity to be able to own your own business out here
0: yeah uh when i was talking with jesse at uh memoirs of an entrepreneur uh Mm -hmm. that's one of our like one of his things he's he calls himself a serial entrepreneur but like one of the biggest things that i see nowadays is people taking that initiative and starting for themselves and completely disregarding the the whole giant machinery machinery of like capitalism, like yeah. as a greater whole or corporatism, I guess. And like to hear that you guys are, you know, doing all this and working. And that's another thing, the future site that you guys have, like in a couple of years, we're, do- we're going to do this and a couple of years we'll do this. And like, you're working up towards it. And that is just, that's awesome because you don't hear about that nowadays. People just want it now and they expect it to work immediately. And when it doesn't, they give up. So I really have a lot of respect for what you guys are doing. Number one, because you're doing it in Alaska. And then number two, because you're just like, you're, you're focused and driven. And you like, it's, it's like you guys already have figured out that, you know, it takes time, but you can get there, you know?
1: Well, I, that's just another thing about living in Alaska that I've realized is once I came to Alaska from fast paced corporate world moving out here everything is so much slower and nobody is ever in a hurry to get anything done so it's a lot easier to kind of sit back and relax and give yourself some space and be like okay i don't have to be done with this tomorrow it can take me a year to get to this point point." Um, right. and then also just living the way we do living off the road system and not being able to come to town every day to work a nine to five has really made us realize that uh diversification of our income is really important. And I think like with this pandemic, a lot of people have realized and gotten into, you know, side hustles and gig work and that kind of thing that you really need a diverse income portfolio so that if one thing doesn't work out or falls by the wayside, you have other things to fall back on. So we're trying to expand on that portfolio. Um, My husband has his uh, YouTube channel. It's under Bush Daddy AK. He's working on that. We've been working on, well, I've had a blog since we moved out here in 2016 um, called Sled Dog Slow. And so I have some income from that and some income from the Etsy store and some income from children's books that I've published. So oh, just that's kind cool. of, <laughs> yeah, just kind of trying to, you know, get It doesn't have to be a million dollars from everything as long as you're slowly building all of these different things um, and just diversifying your portfolio of your income so that, like I said, if I, um, so I actually have MS. So if someday I can't work, I have all of these little bits to fall back on to fill in those income gaps.
0: Right. Absolutely. I actually, uh, speaking of that, I actually wrote uh, a few kids books this year and uh, they're just like fantastic it it totally flopped it hasn't done anything but i also haven't had any ability to throw any money at it to advertise it but yeah it it fell flat on its face so we're going to try again next year with something else but to hear that you're doing the same thing i love i love that idea because number one we can teach kids what they're not being taught in a Mm -hmm. subtle way like uh the whole idea behind ours was going to be uh showing them where their food came from uh, yeah, And just in like a, like a, a cute cartoony little fashion, but mm-hmm. this is how, this is how it works. This is how your food gets grown. This is how your food gets raised. So that's, that's awesome. And the point that you made about pivoting and having this diversification is absolutely flawless. It's exactly what we're working on here. It's exactly what I've talked with Jesse about. So just, that's fantastic. It's exactly what uh, hopefully people will understand by listening to this is that we don't have just the one or two things we're working on. We're working on like everything all at once.
1: Yeah. You really have to be able to work on everything at once too. You can't let one thing fall to the wayside while you do something else because it, it all kind of like all of my little projects are kind of all playing off of each other. Um, my first children's book was uh, Where the Wild Things Grow on raising my girls out here, you know? So
0: awesome. it,
1: they all kind of play off of each other and feed back into one another, um, which is great because it helps them all grow. But I totally understand books flopping because I am so awkward about marketing myself that I am surprised. When I get, you know, a PayPal notification that says I got paid out for book selling, I'm like, oh, where are people finding my stuff? <laughs> because it's not yeah. for me.
0: <laughs> Let's look up the logistics. Where did it come from? Show me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm always trying to figure out how did somebody find me? Because I haven't said anything for six months, you know. So, but it is neat to be able to look back at those accounts and be like oh okay you know I didn't say anything and people are still interested enough to find my books and buy Mm -hmm. you know three or four here and another few here so uh, it's a good feeling even though I'm not a millionaire but that's okay my goal isn't to be a millionaire my goal is to be happy in my life out here and I am so
0: absolutely now how many books do you have out then
1: Um, I have two children's books out um, and then I have a novel I'm working on, a book of stories and poetry inspired by Alaska that I'm working on. And then I have 10 children's books that are written, but I need to find an illustrator for because I'm not the best artist out there. And I want a more professional vibe than my previous two books.
0: Right. I will send you, uh, there's a lady in Ukraine. That we found off of Fiverr that did mm-hmm. uh, our book about the bees. So I will send her information over to you because, like, I I saw a couple of things online and uh, found her por- por- portfolio. If I could talk, and I was like, I know exactly how this is going to turn out. I know how it's mm-hmm. going to look. And she sent me okay. the the drafts and the drawings, and I like I was like I got the the email in front of the kids and my wife, and I was trying not to cry because I'm like this is exactly what I had hoped for. (laughs) So it was like goofy, but at the same time, it's like, this is, this is impeccable. So if that
1: would uh, be fantastic,
0: when we get done, I'll send you her information. And, uh, it was like 13 days and she was done with everything. I think. So, wow. Most immediate turnaround time. Like in, you know, in the, in that sort of business, they can take up to three months or more to be able to. And I think she, uh, I think it was 125 bucks to do the whole book cover to cover. So like it's a, it's a chunk, but as soon as like that starts making money and that's back, you realize, like I realized that, Oh wow. Well, that's not a terrible price. Like in my opinion, to be able to mm-hmm. you know knock out the entire book. So
1: yeah, that's no, that's, that's a good price. I would, I would love that.
0: And I definitely am going to get this book, uh, where the wild things grow because uh i want my kids to get that portion of the adventure too because we watch youtube and we watch your guys's youtube with them and it's like i want i want the the romanticism that i have i guess to Mm -hmm. for alaska to pass from me to them and maybe one day they'll get this little that little pearl in the back of their head and say i want to go and do that because not that I want them to live the life that I wanted, but like if I can inspire them to live adventurously, then I absolutely am going to take every every venue that I can for them to live an adventurous and like completely self-sufficient and free life. So
1: Well, I think that's one of the best things we can hope for our kids is that they take what resonates with them from our lives and then take it into their own lives.
0: Right. Hopefully, I mean, I would be dis- I could I wouldn't be able to tell you honestly that if like my son or my daughter were like, yeah, I'm going to go move up to St. Louis and you know, get in a tiny little flat and work for this corporate job. I wouldn't be able to tell you honestly that I wouldn't be disappointed, but I completely mm-hmm. un- would understand because, you know, it's their life. So, you know, go on, do what you do what you need to do and maybe in, you know, 10 or 15 years you go, "Holy crap, I hate this. I'm going back to the woods," you know.
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting uh, from what I've seen personally in my life and in my husband's life and, uh, you know, my friends and family. It kind of seems that however the parents grow up, they do the opposite for their kids. And then their kids end up doing the opposite of how they were raised, at least for a little bit, because my mom was Uh, my grandparents own an orchard, so she was like an orchard kid, always hung out in the orchard, and then I was raised in the city, and now I'm right back to being like, no, I want an orchard, I want to raise all my own food, like how she grew up, and I'm like, why did you raise me in the city? And she, oh, I don't, I didn't like living in a small town, really, so, you know, now I'm like, well, I I guess I don't like living in town at all, either. I'm I'm going to go move out to the wild.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You were mentioning that you grew up in the I guess it would be the high deserts in Washington. I grew up in the high deserts in California before we moved here. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, as a teenager, uh, when we moved to Missouri, I was a teenager out an hour almost from town and I hated it. I hated it. And I've lived, I lived on the West Coast. I lived on the East Coast. I live on the Gulf, Mexico. Uh, I've lived in Florida and several other states. And I came back screaming like my tires were roasting smoking when i parked my truck and i got back to missouri because i i couldn't wait to get back to the woods so like i i guess i lucked out because we moved away from california to missouri when i was about eight years old and Mm -hmm. then i was stuck in the woods with nobody like i would take my 22 out and walk the woods for hours and you know make it home by dark but uh whereas my parents grew up you know in major cities in california and moved us out to the woods and i I guess i got what you're talking about at about 25 or 26 and i i was done like i gotta get back to the woods i gotta get back to missouri so
1: yeah. It seems to be like that middle life section where they're. I, I got to go try something else. And cause I mean, my mom moved right back to small town, Washington. So she's, she's back there now, but, um, and I, I just think that people have to go do something opposite of how they've grown up for a little while to see if that's what they want or if they want to, if their childhood wasn't that bad, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to, I, I think it'd be cool if you could sit down and, uh, talk with my wife because she grew up where we're living right now like this is uh she her parents had a house literally uh a quarter mile from where we live currently that burned down oh, wow. than, yeah they they actually lost two houses because of uh in-house wood furnaces so all the, the all the houses except for ours currently we have to build uh buy one and install it but everybody on the hill right now has an outdoor wood furnace and but, uh, her brother lives on a house he built on the foundation of the house that burned down and everybody's just right here. And she's, she maybe she had an apartment for two or three years, I think, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: up North of here where it was kind of like small city and she came right back. So it, that was her adventure. And she, every once in a while, she get this romantic idea. We'll be driving through town. If we have to go to the grocery store for something and, uh, are like, oh, that's a cute house. And I'll just look her dead in the face and say, we're not living in the city. <laughs> we're not doing it. I can't.
1: <laughs> right. I have no interest in moving back to the city. Every once in a while, I think, oh, you know, running water, hot water as much as I want. I don't have to haul anything. I don't have to I, – I don't get to town clean at all in the summer because I always am covered head to toe in mud from driving on the ATV. So there's no right. – No, you know, that kind of thing is you're just always dirty and always working. And I think about town and I'm like, oh, it would be so much easier. But then I think about when I lived in town and the fact that from inside my house, I could hear my neighbors yelling at each other from inside their house. And I just never want to do that ever again.
0: I couldn't agree more. It's every once in a while we'll hear people in the valley having an argument or something because we live up on a hill uh, above uh, the access to it, but yeah, it's that's close enough for me. like every once in a while I hear somebody yell at their dog or I hear somebody yelling at their kids or something, and that's that's enough. <laughs> I'm very content to live away from people
1: the the closest cabin to me, I can't even hear when they're running a chainsaw, so I'm that I'm awesome. happy with my space <laughs> they'll they'll yeah, call me every once in a while, little... yeah, yeah, well, so even like the, the cabin that's like two lots away from me when they come out twice a year they'll call me and say hey I'm out do you want to come hang out and I'll be like oh, well I didn't even know you were out I can't hear anything so there's just <laughs> that much forest in between us and so. it's so
0: dense I'm sure that the swamp itself because it's so like porous and squishy it just absorbs all the sound as well not not that it's bouncing off the trees is gonna make it you know 100 feet to the woods, but
1: Yeah. It's just dense forest and swamp. And I mean, other than the mosquitoes, I love it, but the mosquitoes I can deal with for it.
0: Yeah. We have, uh, I've, I've traveled almost all of the lower 48 States and Missouri and Arkansas. I have seen like red tail hawk size mosquitoes, but like, I have never seen mosquitoes. Like I see on videos of Alaska, like they're, I mean, they're as big as your thumb.
1: They are. They're huge and there's so many of them that mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've ever seen of the video, any of the videos like up north on the slope in summer. Mm-hmm. Reindeer will die from having too many mosquitoes on them. Like yeah. it's just it's it's just there's too many of them.
0: That's that's terrifying. Like honestly, that is just terrifying <laughs> because my poor kids, all of them got my allergy to mosquito bites, so uh, if I get bit, I get like a quarter or a half half dollar size welt most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I would just, I'd be a walking boil by the time the summer was done, I, I believe.
1: Yeah, we uh, actually learned this trick from my doctor in summer. Basically, when we get up in the morning, I give each of the kids half a Benadryl. And then it doesn't matter how much they get bit. They're never itchy. So,
0: oh, that's you know. incredible. I'm going to have to try that
1: yeah, it's, I mean, when they're, if they're not bad, one or two bites, we don't care. But on like this season has been really bad this year. So we've just been mm-hmm. taking Benadryl every single morning. And then you just never, I mean, we still use bug spray and stuff. Cause I don't want that many mosquitoes flying in my face. And the amount of mosquitoes I've eaten this summer, just on accident, inhaling them has been ridiculous, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, it just, it makes a huge difference because my oldest gets like that where if she gets a bite near her eye, her whole eye will swell shut. And this yeah. makes all the difference. So,
0: Yeah. Uh, both Noah and Ellie this year have gotten cheek bites and they didn't swell shut, but you could tell it looked like somebody gave them a good shiner, you know, mm-hmm. and I just I feel for him because I, I know how miserable I am. But to speak on the point of how bad they are this year, it's just. I can't imagine there because you have just clouds of them, but like here it's just been ridiculous. We've been trying to make sure that the 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 wet areas are reduced as much as possible, but it's Missouri, so there's like drop downs in the dirt that you can't see that go to little pools in the in the slate and in the shale and right. they just they just, they have nests underground, and you can't find them to destroy them so
1: it's yeah, there's. Bad. There's no getting rid of them up here. Um, There's garlic oil spray makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have uh, a couple of those, um, the electric bug zappers. And if you put a mosquito attractant on those, then the mosquitoes will fly into the bug zappers just like flies do. And that makes a big difference, too.
0: I'm sure that's like an all-night, like an all-day-at-night thing. It's just... (laughs) just
1: It never never gets turned off, and it just zaps constantly.
0: I can't can't imagine. Uh, One of the first years that we lived in Missouri, uh, my dad and my mother had my aunt and uncle out from California, and they were driving into town. And they... uh, we, we heard about this when they came back, but they were driving into town and my aunt and my uncle asked my dad, is it raining? And he said, no, guys, those are bugs. So it's like, I can't imagine. Like, I know how Missouri is and it sounds like this, the swampland of Missouri sounds similar to that of Alaska. I'm sure the, the temperature difference is much lower, but it's like mm-hmm. just the sheer, because we have cypress, uh, cypress and cedar swamps here. So I'm sure just the sheer amount of wetland is i i can get an idea of it but i would have to see it for myself but yeah it's just i
1: i'm pretty sure that alaska is the wettest state in the u.s which just seems kind of ridiculous when you look at all of like the coastal states that we have um or like all down south how much swamp is in those states but then again, Alaska also has the largest coastline. I mean, you can fit Montana, California, and Texas into Alaska and still not take up all the space. It's just right, a massive state. And we, our population up here is less than the population of the city of Seattle. So there's like one point three miles of space per person up here. It's mm-hmm. it's ridiculous, but it's also amazing because I get all of the space that I want.
0: I can. That's. Ugh. Katie, I'm just going to have to visit Alaska and see for myself and try and talk to wife to it again.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Come visit anytime. You're more than welcome.
0: My whole ploy is like I'm in my 30s now and I have most of the energy of when I was 20 and I have all the skills that I didn't when I was 20. So it's like mm-hmm. I, can, I can pretty much do whatever I put my mind to. So it's like I, I can do it right now. Like six years from now in my forties, it's like, ah, I'm I don't know if I could do it. Like I don't know if I could start it, you know. If I started it now and got into the routine and, you know, got because like we we have the farm here and there's a lot of heavy lifting and building and all and wrestling the cow when she's not feeling, you know, too friendly. But like farm strong is completely different than Alaskan strong, I think. I would I would assume.
1: It's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. Um, There's a lot of mental fortitude that goes into dealing with Alaskan things. I mean, we've got our long winters. Pretty much everyone up here is affected by seasonal affective disorder just because our winters are like eight months um, and it gets dark and you have four hours of light sometimes in the winter. But then you get the opposite of where your summer is just so worth it and even alaska's winters aren't that dark because the moon reflects off of the snow and it's just gorgeous vista as far as you can see Mm -hmm. so i i think all of the trade-offs that you have to make to live up here are a hundred percent worth it to get to just enjoy this beautiful place
0: yeah you may have you may only have like four months of you know good sunlight but for how long it lasts I mean, 20, like 22 hours a day, you said, I think,
1: Mm -hmm. so
0: that's like two full day. I mean, comparatively, that's like two, two full days of light, like anywhere else. Cause you know, you have 12 hours light, 12 hours are basically everywhere else. So you guys have, you may have four months of good sunlight, but it's almost like you have eight months because you have double. So,
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how we get all those record breaking vegetables at our state right. fair. Is <laughs> just you know it's got so much sun, and even uh, that's how much sun I get. And I'm in South Central Alaska. Farther north, there's three months where the sun doesn't even set at all. So right. things grow like crazy up there.
0: Yeah, oh, that's so cool. Uh yeah, you guys have like pumpkins and squashes as big as Volkswagens, <laughs> like literally oh, weighing as yeah. much as a Volkswagen. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's if the first time I went to the Alaska State Fair, I did not realize vegetables could get that big.
0: Yeah, that's uh, there's so much mystery and so much like, again, I keep saying romance, but it's still like like a romantic idea in my head. just being able like having being able to watch your videos and like know that we've had conversations and then seeing it all it's like my gosh like it's just it's such a draw to me i guess it's
1: just alaska just alaska does that to people it really is the last frontier out here um there's just lack of people it's kind of wild west you know communities police their own and care about each other and take care of each other when we need it so it's very the entire state is the smallest town you've ever lived in. It's that, just, that's the way it is.
0: That's awesome. That's a good way to put it, I guess. Cause I mean, you guys have that whole entire area, but like you said, if somebody gets caught on the beach, you know, stuck at one in the morning, you're still going to go out and help them because if there's ever a moment where you have to call them, they're going to remember. Yeah. They came out and helped me. And that's, that speaks, I guess. What I'm getting at is the people up there have a higher, uh, like a higher character or like a higher fortitude than Mm
1: -hmm.
0: most of the United States. I know that if I call somebody down the road, even if we've argued or something like that, or if I call up a buddy that I I used to go and have beers with or something, that they'd be here within 20, 30 minutes because that's how people in Missouri are. It's that there's like a hundred thousand small towns here. So Mm I, I just, I just think that, like, if I picked up Missouri and set it in Alaska, nobody would really notice. They would just be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is normal.
1: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and I came up here, there, I came up here from Washington, and there was a very stark difference um, in attitudes towards people from Washington. Uh, just, I mean, I lived in a house in Washington for three years and only knew one of my neighbor's names. Um, And I know the names and have spoken to everybody who owns surrounding property to me, whether or not they have been out to their property ever. I have contacted them. I've, you know, sent them a letter in the mail, been, Hey, I'm your neighbor. I'm on this lot. If you ever get in trouble, here's my phone number. Um, We have a whole network kind of phone tree neighborhood watch system going on um, out past the end of the road. For everybody who's got a cabin out there, anytime something happens, everybody knows about it. You know, we had uh, a friend of mine came out and broke a hip out there, actually, on his ATV. And before he was even airlifted to the hospital, everybody knew and was calling his wife, what can we do to help? You know, and it's just incredible. That's just the community that I want. And I, I distinctly remember coming to Alaska and people offering to help me and being suspicious of their ulterior motives. And that has gone away. The longer I've lived here, the less I feel like people have ulterior motives because
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was just, when you grow up in the city, you're like nobody stops to help when you're broke down on the side of the road. Um, I mean, I even had this, uh, it out in Houston, Texas, car broke down on the side of the road, a police officer stopped, not to ask if I was okay, not to ask if I needed help but to ask if I had heard gunshots recently. And then he left without asking <laughs> if I needed anything.
0: Hey, thanks, sir. Great job. Uh, that, never,
1: that never would have happened up here. Up here, if there's somebody on the side of the road, I stop. I mean, every single time. Hey, are you all right? Oh, yeah, I know what's wrong with my vehicle. Or, okay, oh, c- you can borrow my phone to call somebody if you need. I'll give you a ride to the, the gas station up the road. You know, it's a totally different mentality that is more humanitarian I guess we're just more invested in seeing other people succeed I feel mm-hmm. like than other places that uh-huh. I have lived
0: now do you carry uh you said you had the shotgun with the the bear slugs do you guys carry while you're up there
1: uh I'm going to get called out for this one but no
0: <laughs> that's okay uh, everybody I I'm not gonna no yeah <laughs> If you have the comfort to do it and you do it, that's great. And if you don't, then I understand that completely. So I was just curious because there are other people that I I watch on YouTube that uh, they constantly have, you know, two pistols, two rifles and, you know, a whole can of ammo. I was just curious. I'm not judging you for not carrying. There are some people that just they don't like to. And that's their that's their right. (laughs)
1: see we carried every day when we first moved up here um when we were living in our tent we had a bear get into our tent while we were in town one day and the bear ate yeah the bear ate the can of bear spray so i'm just (laughs) i'm not convinced that you know i could do anything to stop a bear really so um and then with two little kids i just how do you carry a baby on your hip and a gun on the other i just never got comfortable with that um yeah so i keep a pack of huskies two minimum out there at all times i'm i'm actually looking for a third now because my old man he's seven he's got three legs he's gone nose blind so um but most of the time every single time i have run into a bear up here i mean i did it two weeks ago where i jumped off my porch and was face to face with a black bear um they turn and run so Mm -hmm. you know the bear was more scared of me than I was of it and it it turned around and ran so yeah I'm just not I guess with the dogs out there I haven't been concerned about bear and we've had one problem bear that I hung around our place for a little while and I was fully prepared to shoot and I was going outside with the shotgun every single day just if it had been out there because I'd seen it in my yard and that one disappeared. So they just, they don't like the dogs and they don't hang around our place usually. So I, I, at my house, I feel comfortable not carrying. If I was going to go off hiking in the backwoods, then yeah, definitely. Mm
0: -hmm. That sounds like you have, I mean, you, you have the plan for your, your property then is the dogs. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad that that worked for you. That's fantastic. That you found an alternative to it that you're comfortable with. I really, that's really cool. Honestly. Cause I, I, we have, we have a problem with individuals coming off the highway. Now, the the highway is 10 or 12 minutes away from the property, but they'll walk mm-hmm. all the way through the woods, through people's properties. And somehow they'll find the, the machine barn and like the, the tractor barn and they'll try and steal uh, batteries cause they want to make meth with them. And that's a huge right. problem here, but uh, it's constant that I'm having to go sweep the property it hasn't been so bad this year. Uh, I do pay very close attention at night because we have motion sensor lights and everything on the barns that I can just barely see through the woods. But
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, it's typically it's two or three times a month. So I guess that's a problem that we have here because we being 10 or 12 minutes away from the highway, we still have those people that come through, but like you don't have that you have, you know, seven miles between you and the closest property and like 1.3 miles per per, per person there. So I would imagine that like a vagabond walking onto your property would be like, how in the hell did you even survive to get here?
1: Right. Yeah. We don't, uh, we don't have very much problem as far as theft goes being that far off the road. I, we had one ATV stolen and, like I said, we got the neighborhood phone tree. We called everybody. We said, Hey, this is our ATV. It got stolen. In doing that, found out somebody else's had been stolen as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And a neighbor of ours said, well, I'm going to go look for whoever's doing this and ran into the guy on the beach with his family. Unfortunately, the guy had involved his minor children and his kids Mm -hmm. were driving stolen vehicles. And uh, the guy tried to tell my neighbor that, no, these are mine. And my neighbor pulled a gun on him and held him till the troopers got there. Said, Nope, yeah. I recognize those machines. So I mean, like I said, we've got the neighborhood watch. We've it's very frontier justice out here. There's been situations where if somebody makes it that far out and breaks it into the cabin, breaks into a cabin, um, they have been frog marched all the way back to the road, just nobody will give him a ride they just follow him in a convoy of vehicles behind him and say you get to walk the 15 miles to the road now and hope the troopers will give you a ride to jail once you get there yeah so i but we're so far off the road that's that's the one time that we had an issue and i mean it's unfortunate that it happened the guy well the pandemic really slowed down the court systems here so he hasn't actually had a hearing yet at all and it was last june that that happened So yeah everything's pretty slowed down right now but i i just couldn't believe that he involved his kids that was the thing that i was most upset about is that you got preteens and young teenagers that you're involving in your theft
0: and that's going to set up the the like the foreseeable future of their life if they choose to do that you know
1: right yeah it wasn't uh wasn't a very good situation for the children to be in unfortunately. So I mean Alaska's got bad apples just like everybody else, but right. it just they seem fewer and far between. So I, I mean that's one one situation that I've had in the entire time that I've lived lived here where somebody has done that. So it's it's just really not a common thing out where I'm at to have that kind of issue.
0: Right. well i mean i i can't i can't stand a thief so i mean stupid games won stupid prizes man and it's unfortunate that he involved his kids and taught them that but you know if he's if he's still stuck there and hadn't had his hearing well he kind of earned it in my opinion but i'm also a more i'm a harsher individual than the most (laughs) (laughs) well i think we're coming to the end of this katie can uh Can you reiterate some of the things like how people can contact you, what your YouTube is, your Etsy? And uh, I will get a list of all that to put in the description for folks. But I'm going to let you go ahead and uh, tell them about that.
1: Yeah. Um, So I have my TikTok, which is under Alaska Katie. YouTube is AK. My blog is sleddogslow.com. Um, my Etsy store is Alaskan Wild Arts and then um, my books are available on Amazon under my name Caitlin Sarvella um, and that's S-A-R-V as in Victor E-L-A and I'm I'm the only one in the world with that's Katie Sarvella so pretty easy to find.
0: Now how, how do you spell Caitlin? Uh, K-A-T-E-L-Y-N. And it,
1: okay that's how I the, thought. Yeah, and a lot of my stuff is under Katie, just K A T I E. So, but I, when I got married to my husband, I almost didn't change my last name because it was Jones, and I kind of appreciated the anonymity of being one of five million Katie Joneses. So,
0: (laughs) yeah. And now you're so, uh, it's so unique that we're going to find you and pinpoint you no matter what we're looking for. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm the only one. So,
0: and you said the Etsy was uh, Alaskan wild art or arts, arts, arts with an S. Okay, I'm writing yep. all this down this week. I'll it. just to make sure I got it right. All right. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. I cannot thank you enough, and uh, we have got to do this again. With your husband on and
1: like mm-hmm. get the
0: mixing of stories and the back and forth banter, or just you <laughs> again. I I would I'll sit here and listen to you talk about Alaska for the next ten hours if you let me. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm not playing. I love, I love Alaska. Again, it's just the, the mystery and the romance of it. But, um, I taking the time to talk to me. I know you're, you said that you're in town and that's where you have service.
1: Yep. Okay.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking an hour to talk with us. And, uh, as, as soon as, uh, let's see, I've got, I think I have four more people lined up for uh the next couple episodes but as soon as I get to the top of the list and get you on yep. you and your husband on or however it works out but uh okay once again, I thank you so much and uh, I look forward to talking to you some more about this obviously because I like I said I could listen to it all day
1: all right sounds good all
0: right thank you so and much thank you guys, for having me sure. on yeah it's my pleasure, really. Uh, Guys, this has been another episode of Unpopular Farms, and I thank you all for listening, and we hope to see you again in the next one. Check out the description below for all the information about how to get a hold of Katie. And like I said, this has been the beginning of the legend of Alaska Katie. Thank you. Thank you.